everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast at the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove, and really glad that you are with us. We're in a series. We're just kind of talking through obedience, the commands of Jesus. We started with talking about whether or not obedience is essential. And what we concluded was that it is not essential for salvation to become a Christian or to stay a Christian in the sense that you can lose your salvation, but it is an essential part of Christian living. It is a natural outflow of what God will do in your life when he makes you new. So it is essential. It is crucial. It is necessary. That does not necessarily mean that it is a works-based salvation. And we need to learn to kind of strike and understand that balance. Then we spent some time just kind of talking about the difference between Old Testament commands versus commands of Jesus versus Paul's commands and how we're supposed to approach them and if they are different to us in any way. And then last, we talked about the passage in uh, Matthew 7, where Jesus says that we're not supposed to judge one another. And what does that mean? What, is, what, 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 what crosses the line from I'm trying to help you overcome sin to a judgmental attitude that Jesus is speaking out against? And so today, we're going to spend some time in another command, looking at another command that, we, that was part of our sermon series but is also connected to a lot of different commands and promises that Jesus gave about prayer. The passage that we looked at on uh, on our Sunday sermon is in Matthew chapter 7 as well, verse 7, where Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. And so in this, we have this promise from from Jesus that if you will ask, if you will seek, if you will knock, you you will get the thing that you ask for. You will receive, you will find. And in John chapter 15, there's another place where this where this set, where where Jesus says something like this in verse 7 of John chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Over and over again, Jesus says this. You, if, if you look hard enough, you will find multiple verses that seem to give you the impression that if you ask God for anything, you will receive it. I mean, the Jesus says that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll be able to get that mountain to jump from there to there. And there just seems to be a common thread through a lot of the Gospels where Jesus says, you can ask God for anything and it will be given to you. And so a lot of time and a lot of emotional spiritual energy is kind of spent on trying to figure out what this means, especially in light of praying for things that you don't get. And you get a lot of Christian cliched answers about this from time to time where, you know, you ask God for something and and you don't get it. Well, you know, sometimes the answer is wait. Well, he hasn't given it to you yet. Or, you know, some God always answers prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. Of all of the cliches, that's the worst one because that is specifically what seems to be said will not happen. You will not get no as an answer. I mean, wait makes a little bit of sense, but these verses seem to fairly clearly say that if you ask, you will receive. Ask whatever you wish. If you ask for anything in my name, you will receive it. Over and over again, 
you will get it. What, what does this mean? How, how are we supposed to grapple with it? And if you have been following with us in the podcast, we mentioned this briefly. We just kind of talked about that the, the, the context for, for these types of verses is really important. It's really important for us to talk to, to think about who Jesus was talking to. Who he was talking to were people who had been raised to believe that God was a very distant God. That to, in order to have a relationship with God, one required a mediator. You could not go and intercede for yourself. You really needed a priest or someone of a greater character or of greater spirituality to intercede on your behalf. Your access to God was at best very limited. And so what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to impart, undo that sort of mindset, a mindset that says that somehow God does not give access, that God does, God is not a good God who wants to listen, who wants to give good gifts to his people, who, who wants to reward, who wants to love, that he's not generous. He is, he is distant. He is harsh. And so Jesus is saying, why don't you just try? Why don't you just see? Why don't you just see what this God will do? believe in him, ask him, and he will do it. Really just kind of begging them to have a different attitude about God. And we hear this, and again, I think this is a very American, Christian American mindset about this, a very privileged mindset about this, where we read these verses and like our, some of our immediate thoughts are, what are some really selfish things that we could ask for that God will give us? Does this mean, does this mean I can ask for a million dollars? I mean, and this is where our brain goes. The people living well below the poverty line who were living in an oppressed, an oppressed environment from their Roman occupation, people who believed that, that God was completely distant, a million dollars, a billion dollars. This, this, this was nowhere near their brain. Th- these are the kinds of people who, who were afraid to ask God for any sort of help at all. Not a billion dollars, but one dollar. Not lavish riches, but food. And did not believe in a good God that wanted to reward them. And so he is encouraging and challenging them. And so... Jesus is, is speaking this way, and we come at it in a very hyper-literal, break-it-down, word-for-word kind of way, when really this is, again, I don't want to, maybe hyperbole is too strong of a word, but at least a little bit of hyperbole here, which is like, you guys have given up on God, but if you'll just have faith and trust in him, he will just unlock, it will be a flood of generosity and goodness and gifts from God. Why don't you test him out? Why don't you try and just see what God will do? So I think there is a sense in which we need to take, take that into consideration. I mean, God is not going to do something for you, even if you ask for it in prayer, that is ultimately going to be a curse to you in some way. God, cut off my foot. God, kill me. I mean, you're not going to have, that is not a good God. And so we're we're looking for you know you know loopholes or things well technically this and this well that's not what Jesus was talking about ask god to smite all of your enemies for no reason burn my neighbor's house down he kind of he upsets me i don't like this guy he has more than what i do can you make his wife leave him like that i think i think there are several things there that we can necessarily exclude from 
different from things that we should be asking for. So we narrow it down a little bit and it's like, okay, if we can get past those things, well then what, what is he saying? What does this mean? And I think it's really important for us um, to, 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 to look at, again, some of these clauses that Jesus says. It's not just straight up, ask me for anything and you will get it. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you can ask for and have faith and believe it. There's a reason why I can't pray that God will give me a billion dollars. There's a reason why I would not even legitimately pray that. And the reason why I would not pray that is because I am remaining in him and his words remain in me. I can't ask that believing that he's going to do it. I can't ask for that in his name. Jesus, in your name, I pray that you will make me wealthy beyond my wildest dreams where I can have everything that I want. God, I want you to, I want you to bless me by making money the most important thing in the world to me. I'm not going to be able to ask in faith or in his name or with his words in me, God, I want you to change my values where my values are now opposed to your values. Because ultimately, if you take all these things together, whatever you can ask for, ask in my, in, in my will, in, in my name, um, believing, remaining in me, my words remaining in you, what really we're getting at here is all of these things involve a merging of wills. I have my wills, the things that I think that I want, the things that I think they're important, the things that I think will benefit me. And then as I'm learning who Jesus is and what his plan for my life is and what he wants for me, what his will is, what his desires are, what really makes a good, successful, prosperous life, as my will begins to merge into his, then the things that I'm going to pray for and the things that I'm going to want are going to become distinctly less and less and less and less selfish. And I've become more the things where the things that I'm asking for are the things that are priorities to God in the first place. And so that I, I, I can confidently ask God for certain things. God, give me wisdom. God, give me patience. God, give me discernment. God, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this Sunday. God, give me the words to say. Give me the courage, God, to do the right thing. These are things that I can confidently pray for. God, allow me to hear your Holy Spirit's guidance in this confusing situation. God, give me comfort. Free me from anxiety and fear. These are the things that I can pray for that I know that he will answer. God, give me an opportunity today to show love to someone who needs it. These are the things that I can say without any doubt, with no doubt, completely in his name, that I know that he will do these things. Now, there is that the, it, it's not just as simple as that, but there's a part of me that would just love to leave it as simple as that. That in order for us to really understand what it means that God says, that when Jesus says that you can get whatever you ask for, that one, there's just a natural limitation on stupid, selfish prayers. And two, there's also just a, a it involves 
you know, the, the, the prerequisite is my will has been transformed into completely understanding his will. And I'm only going to ask for the things that he is promising to give to me, you know, Philippians four, six, and seven, which is often misunderstood. But anyway, it's like, don't be anxious, but in everything pray and God's peace will come. But that is something I know that I can pray for. God, give me peace in the midst of this anxiety. That is something that I know that God wants to give me. And it may not be a simple and formulaic based. And again, I don't want to speak too much on this because I know there's people really battle with anxiety in significant ways. But to be able to pray for peace in the midst of what we'll just call just in fear, maybe is a better way. That God wants to give me peace and I can pray for that with confidence. But there are things that we do pray for that feel to us like that they are completely aligned with what God wants that often don't happen because I don't want it's like, it's like, Hey man, just, if you just pray for it and you know, it's kind of in God's value set, you will get it because tragedy happens sometimes and not, you know, you can, you can pray for, you know, some trip that someone goes for God, keep them safe. And then something bad happens to them. And there are times where bad things can happen or not the best thing happens, or a not good thing happens, or uh, the good thing that was supposed to happen didn't happen. And it feels like that I, that, that I wasn't being selfish, that this is kind of aligned with what God wants. And, and yet, and, and, and yet, you know, the bad thing happens. And I think it's important for us to process this in some way at a deeper level, because I don't want us to have an overly simplistic view of prayer in either direction. And in and, and one direction, it, the overly simplistic view is, you know, ask, God will give you anything. And that will just only lead you to crushing disappointment. The other overly simplistic view is you can really only ask for kind of generic things. God, give me the strength to go through today. God, just grant, grant me, give me a good heart. God, just bless my day and whatever you want to do. God, I, I, I pray all these good things will happen, but I know that God, that sometimes you don't answer all the prayers. God, just whatever you want to happen to me today. I pray will happen to me today where your prayer life becomes faithless and empty and just kind of full of platitudes. And you're not boldly asking God for big things because the bit, one of the big pictures here in all of these verses is boldly ask God for big things, the things that are good, the things that you know that God wants to give boldly ask him. And I think it is important, even as we are trying to, to, to narrow this down and understand it a little bit, to eliminate the selfish, to understand that it's about the merging of wills. I don't want us to overcorrect and get to the point to where we don't really believe in a good God that wants to do good things for us. And so I have an illustration. And if you've been around at the Grove for a while, you've probably heard me talk about it. And it comes from my, uh, my older daughters who were really, really, when they were in elementary school, were really into Sonic. And they really wanted to, after, after school, a lot of days when I would pick them up, wanted me to go take them to Sonic for happy hour. And so the way I think about it is it kind of in terms of like a little grid. Sometimes my kids would ask to go to Sonic. Sometimes they wouldn't ask to go to Sonic. Sometimes I'm thinking about going to Sonic before they ask. Sometimes I'm not thinking about going to Sonic at all. And there's kind of four scenarios. One is, is I'm already thinking that I'm going to Sonic and they ask and I say yes, because that's what I was planning on doing anyway. There's times when they don't, I'm not thinking about Sonic and they don't ask, and so we don't go. And sometimes they don't ask for Sonic, but I'm thinking about going to Sonic anyway, and I take them there. 
And all of those things have an understanding. Like the first one, like I, I take them and they ask, man, that's just like, that's a, that's a really cool answer to their prayer. Um, me, them, me giving them something they don't ask. That's just, just to general goodness. Um, them, us not going because we didn't ask, I mean, that's just kind of the way life works. I mean, there's just sometimes there's good things that could have been possible, but we didn't ask. And so we don't know. But the fourth situation is the one that really kind of is what we're talking about today. My kids, they want to go to Sonic and I don't really have that in my brain. And they say, dad, can we go to Sonic? What happens then? And that is the big, it depends. And that's what we're talking about here with prayer. Sometimes we ask God for great things and he says, yes. Sometimes we don't ask God for great things and he gives them anyway. Sometimes we don't ask God for great things and the great things don't come and that's just life. But what happens when I ask? Well, and you know, sometimes my kids ask me for Sonic and I'm not thinking about it and I kind of think about it like, yeah, we can do that. And I give them this good thing that they ask for. But sometimes they ask for it and I, and, and I say, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Why not? They ask. And the answer can be very different from time to time. It could be that there is something better waiting for them that we have to get to and we don't have time to go to Sonic. Sometimes it's because I've got, I've got something that I've got to get to that doesn't involve them at all. And I, there's just reasons that they won't understand. There are times that, that I have to say no. How do we process that, I think, is really going to be important for us. We need to process if on the times when we really believe that we are passionately praying for something that, that we think connects with God's values and we're not, it's, not, it's not selfish, it's, it's, it's a good thing and it doesn't happen, we need to evaluate that in light of what we believe and what we've experienced God big picture. I can say no to my kids, to Sonic sometimes, and it be okay because they know that their dad is a generous, good dad. And that if the, the, the handful of times where the good thing doesn't happen, um, there, must be, there must be good reasons. There must be reasons that maybe I don't understand. But big picture, I trust in my dad. And I think when we think about prayer, that's what we need to come to. It's like, I want to think of God and I want you to believe in God that when you ask God for good things, that this is a generous God who wants to say yes, who wants to bless your life, who wants to bless you, love you, give to you. He is a generous God. And in the times when we meet disappointment, we recognize, you know, God is still a generous God. And I process God through that relational lens. And so God has not promised us a life free from sin, of having to experience the consequences of our own sin, to experience the consequences of other sin. He's not promised us that we would not have to still live in a broken world. Those things are still true. And there are going to be times when God does not save us from those consequences, whether they're the results of what we've done or what other people have done, or just just the natural kind of outflow of, of life in a broken world. God has not said that I'm going to deliver you from every hardship ever. God has not promised us that we were not going to have to experience hardship. In fact, God promised the opposite, that there, will, there is going to be hardship in this world. And so the experience of hardship is also a promise of God. God promises that God is a good God who wants to give you the things, but he also promised that you will experience hardship. And we've got to combine 
all of God's promises into one cohesive idea about who God is and what I should expect from my life. Now, the big picture for me is I think that most of us are not people who are praying so much for so many big, bold things from God. They're like, what am I even supposed to do? How do I even experience disappointment? I think most of us approach these verses where God says, ask for big things. And we go, ah, I don't really know. And so I don't want us to get so lost in kind of the nuances of the theology of it that you do not walk away here from the big picture inspiration of who it is that God is. I want you to feel that verse and I want you to experience that verse the way that the first century original audience did. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Are you telling me that there is a God out there who is generous and good and I have access to through my voice and through my prayers? Are you serious with that right now? I want you to experience that. I don't want you to take it as some sort of just, you know, naive promise that of, of, of the, the celestial Santa Claus. I don't want you to experience it that way, but I do want you to believe in a God that wants to do great things for you. And I think it is way preferable for us to live a life where we are constantly asking and praying and to the, to the God of the universe, who is a generous, loving God. God, what about this? Give me this. Can I have this? Will you bless me this way? You bless me this way. And to live a life under the blessings of a generous God who every now and then disappoints us, who is, who doesn't come through the way that we wish that he would have and process that, then live a life that says, well, because I can't guarantee it 100% or because I don't really understand it or for whatever reason to live in fear and anxiety or exclusion to think I, I, God's really not a generous God who is for me. So hear the big picture from Jesus first and foremost. God is a generous God who wants to overwhelmingly bless you. And then, and then I was like, well, but not, but not all the time. It isn't. What Jesus is saying here doesn't mean everything you possibly ask for, but don't let the, don't let that turn into cynicism that keeps you from believing and trusting in a generous, great God. Well, thanks. Thanks again for, for joining us as we're kind of walking our way through different commands and principles from, from commandments of Jesus and throughout the Bible. Uh, we would love for you to come check us out at the Grove Church sometime. You can check out our website, thegrovechurch.org. We'd love to see you on a Sunday. If you're in Northwest Arkansas, we'd see you in person. Or we'd love for you to join us online, Facebook or YouTube sometime on a Sunday morning and worship with us. Again, thanks for joining us and hope to check us out again soon.